Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, along with Heartbeat International's Vice President of Ministry Services, Betty McDowell. And we'll be talking with Daniel and Rob from Wild Leadership in this episode. I'll introduce them in just a minute. They will be presenting at our upcoming annual conference. So we're going to give you a sneak peek of that program and what you'll hear if you're able to join us in April. This episode is brought to you by Heartbeat International's Online Academy, where you can join over 7,000 other students in pregnancy help ministries around the globe who are taking part in hundreds of training options. We offer webinars, course modules, and an upcoming wild leadership training, which I was blessed to attend a couple of months ago. Um, Heartbeat invested in me to take part in that program. Highly recommend. I think they're going to talk a little bit more about that later as well. But Heartbeat Academy really offers something for everyone. So whether you're a director, a board member, client advocate, development and fundraising staff, or other staff and volunteers, you can get started at heartbeatservices.org and click on Academy, or you can give me a call at the Heartbeat office. So we have two guests with us today from the WILD team that I want to introduce. We have Dr. Rob McKenna. He's the founder of WILD Leaders and the WILD Foundation and the creator of the WILD Toolkit. He was recently named among the top 30 most influential IO psychologists and featured in Forbes. His clients have included the Boeing Company, Microsoft, Heineken, Foster Farms, United Way, Alaska Airlines, and Children's Hospital. He's the author of numerous articles and chapters on leadership character, calling effectiveness and leadership under pressure. He has served as the chair of industrial organizational psychology at Seattle Pacific University up until 2020, with a total time at SPU of 25 years. Rob lives in Kirkland with his wife, Jackie, and their two sons. And our other guest today is Dr. Daniel Hollick. He's the chief commercial officer at Wild Leaders. Daniel drives strategic commercial initiatives, product development, and marketing efforts that support the development of whole leaders. Before Wild, he spent over 12 years developing whole leaders in business, academic, and not-for-profit settings. He runs his own coaching practice and has had experiences as a recruiter in Microsoft, a career management consultant at Wright Management Consultants, and in a leadership development role at Slalom, an award-winning consulting firm. He's also served as a coach, professor, and advisor at three higher education institutions, including Seattle Pacific University, where he helped build a new graduate business program from the ground up. His research and writing focus on how to develop people and build authentic relationships founded on generosity. He lives in Seattle with his wife, Kristen, and their three children. So those are some impressive resumes for the two of you. And I'm going to pass our conversation off to Betty to get us started talking about WILD and all the other opportunities we have upcoming here through Heartbeat. Thanks, Christine. They really are impressive guys. So I'm so glad that we get to have you on the podcast with us today. They are my most favorite industrial organizational psychologists. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you know that I know so many. Um, but I want to start out with you guys by asking a question, uh, because there are going to be several hundred or more folks who will listen to this podcast, and they are already asking themselves, what is an industrial organizational psychologist? So I want you to answer that question for us. Tell us what is an industrial organizational psychologist and why the heck did you become one? So um, let's go ahead and we'll start with Rob. All right. So Betty, thank you for asking that. I don't get asked that every single day. And I hope you don't say that to all the IO psychologists out there. Um, it is, I always described it over the years. Uh, this is my, uh, my larger sort of pitch for the field is that I describe it as one of the most powerful guilds 
in uh, organizational America that you've never heard of. And one of the reasons is that because the, the bread and butter of our field is, is uh, selection and performance management. So it's, it's, it's people who are in charge of the systems that decide who gets in the door of organizations, but also how their uh, performance processes are motivated and set up. And so um, and it takes people with training in this field. But, but I think on the other side, the more simple kind of approachable view would be that it is the, it is the, the study of the psychology and of behavior at work. So um, and if you think about all the things that are impacting behavior that, um, that Daniel and I talk about is that so often people describe our work as the soft science. And we always say it's the harder science because it's based on all the invisible psychological variables that that's why you know, we sort of come in and into that process alongside all the visible kinds of things that are happening. So that's that. And Daniel can expand that. But my, my why is that I had the benefit of being mentored by an older brother who was one of the um, kind of early people, not earliest, but he got into this field and he's 17 years older than I am. And was developing leadership systems in across corporations. And I just had the benefit of having this older brother who mentored me into this field. Um, and, I, and I just got fascinated by that because I, I thought about studying clinical psychology, but I really found that I'm fascinated by organizational systems and, and the people within them. So how do we, you know, how do we use that psychology and that integration I, I found fascinating between, we know a lot from psychology. There's oftentimes, especially in certain contexts, kind of a distrust of science and psychology. And in fact, psychology tells us so much about the human experience inside organizations. And so I think we think it's fascinating to integrate that with our human, like the context of where we're actually leading and working, and then also integrating our whole humanity and our faith into that is, creates an awesome conversation. So that's my why, Daniel, what would you say, how would you define it and why, why are you in it? Yeah, I, I would extend what you said to another way. I think of industrial and organizational psychology in terms of something we all know about is We've all seen those studies that go around that says, you know, Google did a study on managers and found the five top things that a manager do is da 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 da. Or Microsoft did a study of global study on leaders and found that. But any anytime you hear one of those studies, if it's actually done well, if it's at one of those large places, it's conducted by a team that they have of industrial and organizational psychologists. They those large organizations have an army of them because they've realized. That if we apply the science from what we know to the workplace, um, we can actually make people more productive, more motivated, more effective. So other things that the field touches on, how do you build healthy cultures? How do you develop leaders? How do you hire the right people, motivate them, train them? Um, what are all the things that create an, an engaged workforce? Those are, those are some of the questions that our field brings the science and the data together with psychological principles to answer. And much like Rob shared, um, what gets me excited and why, why I got in this field um, instead of a clinical or a therapeutic uh, function that I was going towards originally was realizing the amount of time that people spend on the job. Some estimates say that most people spend 120,000 hours at work over their lives. That's a lot of time. And so you got to believe that's impacting how people show up at home, how they're showing up in their community. And I often think if we're going to spend that much time at work, and if from a Christian faith perspective, if work is part of how we're designed to be, then let's find ways for people to live into that effectiveness and that unique design well and get the most out of that time 
to enrich their whole life. So to me, I get motivated by things that are deep and meaningful to a person's lived experience and work is certainly one of those, especially today as we see the nature of work shifting. It's really great. So industrial organizational psychology is pretty fascinating stuff. So good on you for that. I think what's so fascinating for me when I, when I think about this is I've been involved in pregnancy help uh, work ministry for like 35 years. So just out of college and as a social worker. And when I got involved, um, when you were looking to hire and looking to bring people in, we basically had one test that we had people take. And that was, if you're breathing, we will take you. <laughs> That's kind of how so many ministries um, got started at that time. And we've come so far. And uh, really, so many organizations have evolved into much more complex uh really organizations. So I, I think back, I, I was able to take a, a class recently on, on um, focusing on organization and, and really just understanding how an organization, uh, the word comes from organism, a living entity, and just how organizations really uh, can grow and how they might be threatened and all the different things that you look at for a living organism. So I think it's pretty fascinating stuff. And it's so cool that we get to have you guys involved in what we do. Um, my intersection with you really came from a couple of years ago. Uh, so you guys are in the great Northwest. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And we were all together in Dallas, Texas for a conference. And all of us were speaking at this conference. Um, so I was there with a colleague because we were actually teaching a workshop on recruiting and managing a remote team, something that was like very, not very popular pre-COVID. Um, but we had been living there and working there for a while. So we kind of really learned a few things and we had some employees. Now we have teams that are remote and COVID, you know, did its thing. And so we have lots of folks who are remote, at least for now. And so we had a chance to share about that. And so while I was at the conference, um, I happened to see this exhibit booth and I kind of took a look at it and it's this wild thing. Um, and then had a chance to sit and hear Rob come on stage and he did this presentation in front of the entire crowd. And this was a big conference. And so I'm not gonna tell the story, but it was a really funny story about starched shirts and band-aids. <laughs> so, um, but it captured my attention and it captured my attention because I thought, okay, there's this authenticity that I picked up on and um, you had my attention and thinking about the work that we do um, broad strokes with pregnancy help organizations, maternity homes, nonprofit adoption agencies. I thought I, there's some stuff here that I bet um, these guys could teach us. And I wondered like, have they ever delved into this community? You know, we talk about sector-specific kinds of trainings, and and so I thought, I, I bet they don't even know what a pregnancy center um, really is. Uh, I found out that they do know, which was kind of cool. So from your stage presentation, Rob, I had a chance to attend a workshop. I picked up your book, uh, Composed, The Heart and Science of Leading Under Pressure, which I, I look at that book and go, wow, was that God's anointing on you or what? Because talk about a pre-COVID book and topics uh, for folks to really delve into. Um, so uh, that was fascinating. 
And then I decided since I needed to be out in the great Northwest and Jarrell, our president was with me. It was like, Jarrell, we got to go see these guys. I, I need you to meet them. And um, he fell in love with you like I did. And uh, the next thing I knew, we had our leadership team walking through your materials, the um, whole intentional leadership development. And so that's been really great for us. And of course, we've expanded that to invite others to be involved. And, um, and then, of course, we could not miss out on having you at conference last year, although that was quite the challenge. And because we had to do that virtually, we decided we needed to bring you back in person this year. So I'm really excited to have you guys spend some time and, and really get to know some of our, uh, get, get to know more of the folks in the community where we serve, because you're already getting to know them because you've already done a class with several of them. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit of, maybe let's go here. Let's go to the story behind WILD. Like, how did that come about? And then we can talk maybe about the content of WILD. Yeah. So, um, Betty, thank you. By the way, that's incredibly humbling. And, and I mean that I just, uh, am so, I feel so honored to just have all that parts of that story and the intersections. And even the fact that, um, that my story about band-aids and the rest of it actually, I, cause I, I oftentimes I'll share that story on a stage and Daniel, and I look at each other and go, I don't know if it was a good idea, but it is, it is a moment. And and so it means a lot to me that that um, is something that it created our friendship and, and our chance to, to partner together. And um, I would say that one of the um, just to step back is I'm the, I'm the son of a university president and his wife. My parents, when they described their journey, they described themselves leading together, which they did. My dad, my dad had the formal job, but my mom was <laughs> very much a part of that job and doing that job. And I think it's uh, as a child of the 70s and 80s, um, so my parents led at three different institutions, one seminary and two universities. And it was a time where, you know, my parents are real people, real human beings um, with their with their incredible people. But our our story, just like every other person's, has has fragmentation and redemption in it. It has amazing uh, blessings, but also a challenge. And and my folks were I grew up in in a in their in their part of their sphere of the world were fairly public and um, at a time in history where there wasn't a place to deal in redemptive ways with the reality of life. And I think a lot of that, along with mentoring for my brother that I mentioned, and then in leading myself, what is what is happening for me developmentally at the intersection of, like I said before, like the experience that I see people having as leaders or as just people within organizational context, their faith and the psychological things that you see the variables that are like I look at you know when I think of you Betty I think about all the different variables that have played a role in your learning and growth and development in your faith and who you are including the context the organizational context and so part of my deep conviction is in many ways and, and Daniel's heard this many times is I grew up where our my childhood dinner table was more like kind of an advisory boardroom because my folks didn't have a lot of other places so I'm a kid you know, getting to process some pretty deep leadership challenges with my folks. And so someone said to Daniel and me when we were on the road uh, in the last couple of years said, so Rob, so what you tried to do is create that dinner table for other leaders. And I think, um, I think there's truth to that. But I think what took it deeper was to take that, what we understand from 40 years of research, and to create a scaffolding or a system and a structure for people to access all of that so they could, they could develop what we describe as their deep-seated leader capacity. 
And so the, the, the wild brand is, it's a part of our mantra. It stands for whole and intentional leader development. And, and all, every one of those words means a lot to us in terms of its broader why. But I will say that the word wild also means something to us. Because if you get one scratch beneath the surface of any person, and they will begin to unpack at least parts of that they've chosen to their wild story. Because I think a lot about what the word wild means when we say, man, that's why I listen. You hear it all the time when it's a part of, for Daniel, when it's part of your brand. And people, when people use it, I often think they're, they're expressing surprise, something that's been unknown, but it's, it's kind of astonishing. Or it's like, I didn't expect it, but it's important, you know? So that was wild. You know what I mean? Like you bump into somebody and that's wild. That happened. But what we mean is there's something to explore there but it's oftentimes hard to describe. So in, in many ways, the tools and the process for developing leaders is, has been a way to access that deeper story. That's my start on that, Daniel. You know, I have lots of things. I just could unpack that forever, but I know you've got your story too. <laughs> well, I, I love that idea that a leader's journey is wild. And every leader I've talked to, it's, it's very rarely a linear up and to the right Um trend line that we all want to see for every growth of an organization or revenue or impact. It often feels more like what one of our clients told me recently is a circular staircase where you go around and you go, I think I've been here before. And you look down and you go, oh, I haven't. I just came back to the same lesson learned. There's, it's, it, there's a wild story. Um, and if you had asked me when I was, my son just turned 10, if you asked me when I was 10, would I become an industrial organizational psychologist? I thought I was gonna be uh, on a Navy ship. I did not know I got seasick at that time. So our journey is wild from the, the twists, the turns, the unexpected things, the beauty, the brokenness of our story. Um, and what does it look like to attend to the whole story in our own journeys as leaders, but also in how they connect to the journeys of, of others. So that's what that, that, yeah. There's one other thing, Betty, I was just thinking about was um, that we so often miss, even in the psychological research, we study all these variables that are impacting people or leaders, but, and we have to study them in these, in these uh, pieces, you know what I mean? To study them responsibly. But what's fascinating that, that even more literature has come out is how those variables work together. So one example of that is just, just take something as simple as the concept of competence or skill. Is that so often we think about competency as something you're either good or you're bad at. But the reality is that my capacity to do anything well, like even just um, to do strategic planning, like which is, sounds very organizational, but it affects deep things inside of me. And it's affected by is impacted by all kinds of other variables. So for example, my motivation to do that, to do that skill. Like I'm good at math. I'm very good at math. I don't love math. You know what I mean? And so, and it also is impacted, the, I think, by the questions of the purpose behind. Why am I doing this? Maybe I'm good at this, but, but why? Or, or even impacted by, I may be, my wife, for example, she'd kill me if I shared this, but she actually is a, she can sing, but she didn't want to sing. And not only that, but she doesn't believe she can sing as well as she actually can. I have a pretty good ear. So I'm like, you can sing, but it doesn't matter because it's not something that she's motivated to do. You know what I mean? Publicly, she'll do it in the car. But, but so I think even the concept of a competence, which it has all these connections to other things about efficacy and the community that's surrounding us and encouraging us and the purpose behind it. So that's what's also fascinating when you take the concept of whole that so often is ignored is that 
even our our financial resourcing is affecting our is is intersecting, for example, with our faith. But that so often in nonprofits is kind of ignored as a part of the equation. And then sometimes in business, the human part is is not explored. It's all about the financial sort of drive, you know. So that's what we just get really excited about this. <laughs> Well, I know when, when our leadership team went through, I think we had like 11 of us who went through this and we took really, we took about a year. So that's not the norm. You can, you can uh, go through the wild toolkit at all kinds of different, different ways. And so um, for our group, we decided that we would just do this. We, we would meet twice a month. And so at least one of those meetings we would use for um, looking at the wild tool assessment. So that required each of us to take time to invest in ourselves and do the assessment, answer some questions, you know, um, come back with the, the research and, and truth be told, everybody likes to know about themselves, me included. So it's kind of fascinating to get the stuff back and to talk about it and think about it. Um, but I think what I enjoyed most was as you talk about um, Rob, you know, the, the connectedness of all these things, whether it's finances and faith, I think what was so fascinating to me is when we came together as a team and we would pose the questions to one another and what that did for us in terms of our own vulnerability and sharing and what it did for the makeup of the team, which then affects, of course, the organization. So to me, that was pretty profound to, to just see how how I'm affected and what that did for me in terms of questioning some things for me and making some adjustments and setting some goals and then talking with others and holding accountability to one another, but really finding out some things about each other. And for us, because we have uh, leaders from different generations, it kind of, for me, gave a path forward on some of the things that I could do to help invest in younger leaders. Um, as well as all the areas that, boy, you know, I could see potential for growth for me personally. So it was a wild experience. It was, it was good. <laughs> it was really good. So when we look at some of the things that you're going to do for us in Columbus, because you are coming to the Ohio State University area of um, <laughs> of the country. We're proud of our university here. Um, you are going to do a keynote for us, and then you're going to do what we call an in-depth day, where you'll have folks who have signed up ahead of time, and they're going to spend that pretty much six hours with you in one day. Um, and then for those who attend the conference, they'll get a chance to do really a workshop. It's a two-session workshop. So let's talk a little bit about content. I don't, I, you don't have to necessarily share your keynote if you don't want to, Rob, because you may or may not even have that part together yet. But, um, but let's talk about kind of what one would expect to experience spending time with you with the in-depth day opportunity for a while. And then we'll talk about workshops. Well, maybe yeah. I'll, Daniel, I'll give a glimpse into the, the yeah. framing content and then you can tell them about what that, those moments will be like. I, and, and it's uh one of the things that's really fun and I'm excited for Betty is to uh, to be able to introduce the concept of what whole and intentional leader development's about and to even introduce that. I think so many of us didn't think about what a leader is before we became one. And so I think the start of that is just to frame up um, the fundamental, more than just a definition of leader, which I'm 
not as interested in, but what do we know about the experience of being the person who goes first? And, and I think, and so, and we know a lot. So I, I love getting the chance to introduce that and also to invite people into a different, a different paradigm regarding development, whether it's leaders or people who have not led yet who may. And, and we, uh, we had a, a talk this morning with a bunch of subject matter experts about the concept of developmental readiness as an example, and how, how different the paradigm is of um, the concept of inviting people to their development as opposed to assigning development. And um, even something as simple as that is a very different way of approaching what it means to invite people into the possibility that they could change as opposed to a lot of shoulds. You know what I mean? We say so often, like, we should be developing leaders. We need to. No one wants to be needed to, should have, or anything, usually, when it comes to development. And so um, creating the, the concept and also some pathways for an invitation into that. But I think it, my hope is to set the stage for what, what does whole leader development look like with intention so that we could begin to think about that. And, and it, it, we always say this is what, and what you were describing, Betty, is so powerful because we describe that our, our goal is to focus on the one with an eye to the many. And what we mean so many things by that. And first of all, that we are as close as understanding our own experience to understand others experience. We need only look at ourselves that those, all those variables are happening, but sometimes they're hard to talk about. So if we start there, that's important, but the development is a relational concept. We don't talk about that that often, that it happens together in teams. It happens just together in general, because some of us, and I know some of the people in your sphere have a, they have a scaling issue. Like how do I focus on the one while producing a system that will scale leader development and capacity in my organization? So I'll set the frame for that. And Daniel, tell them like, we're excited about this, uh, the follow on uh, topics and workshops we'll be able to do. Yeah, so in, in the intentional day um, and, and in the workshops we're doing, without giving all the secret sauce, a couple of the things that, that, that one can expect is it will be wild. And so part of that is it will be unconventional. Um, we do not like going to um, events or breakout sessions ourselves where we cannot participate and where we only hear content. And so we, we try to design experiences that we would want to be a part of. And part of what that means is that there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, we're going to frame things up, give some handholds, prime the pump. But really, then it's going to be us asking questions or getting individuals into uh, conversations with questions that they know matter, but they might not have a ready answer to. So we call them wild questions, the brand works everywhere. Um, but a wild question is the question that I might ask Betty or Betty might ask me, and Betty doesn't ask me leading me in a direction. She asks me, like, you ask me the question because you, you believe it matters to me, but you don't have the answer. You don't know what my answer is. And so we will have a very interactive discussion looking at whole and intentional leader development for the, them individually, but with the purposes, not just for them, but also for the sake of those who are in their sphere of responsibility and relationship. So here's a few of what those taught. That's what the experience will feel. It'd be a lot of discussion, a lot of dialogue. Here's what the um, content will, will look like if I give you just a, a couple sneak peeks. Topically, we're gonna get into things like um, calling and purpose. What are you called to do? And what is the enduring mission that you are on? What are the things you can't help but do well? Um, how do you show up well under pressure? 
do you tend to have a stronger sense of yourself or do you tend to default to others? And how do you do both at the same time? Uh, what, what's the purpose behind your faith, your health, your finances, and what's the interconnected whole story with all of those things? What are the experiences that have been crucible, formative, trial by fire shaping moments that have made you who you are today? What's happening right now that's worth paying attention to do? And where do you want to go next? And what competencies and skills will you develop along the way? And what's going to activate your motivation to show up every day with full vibrancy and continue to invest in the flourishing of others without burning out? How do you invest more deeply and intentionally in people around you? Who do you need in this season to support you? Who's giving you feedback? Who's encouraging you? Who's advocating for you? Who's opening up doors? So those are some of the things we're going to be getting into, ranging from competence and skill to calling and purpose to experiences and investing in others. But the meta, the macro is going to be what's the interconnected whole story for you that ties things together. So it'll be less about us telling um telling people what they should do. We've certainly got a point of view. We've worked with a lot of leaders across contexts. Uh, so we're going to bring some principles and perspectives, but more about inviting uh, the leaders into their own story about what is God doing in them at that moment and how can they connect dots to what that means for the people they are serving and where their organization is going. That's great. One of the reasons I think this resonates with me so much is because um, you guys are curious. Like when I hang out with you, there's this curiosity factor. Um, and it's not like, it's not like a, like what you think of a typical psychologist, you know, telling me about your relationship with your mother. That's, it's not that it's, it's, you're curious to know my story, to know my, my experiences, my, my gifts, my talents. And I think that curiosity is so important uh, for us in the pregnancy help community because when we are working with clients, that is our responsibility to be curious, to become in one sense, a student of, the, of that client, to learn about them so that we can ask good questions and we can help awaken some things in them, God's vision for them, and we can help them take the next steps. And so I think in many ways, that is what you guys do. I mean, I, I I've, have a chance sometimes to jump in on some calls and some meetings with you. And, and that's what I see. And that's what you that's really what you feed in, in leaders. And that's such a great place to start. And that's usually how I spot a good leader is um, from the get-go is, is that uh, how teachable are they? Um, but also how curious are they to understand? And so I, I'm just excited for those that are going to have a chance to not only hear Rob at a keynote, but to spend time with both of you in an in-depth day session, if they sign up in time to do that, um, if they come to your workshop. But we also have some cool things happening because after conference in May, uh, we're going to offer the wild course again. That'll be through our academy for folks to sign up. And just so you know, there are already people signing up. Uh, registration is open. And so it was kind of fun to, to look and see people are signing up for it already. Um, so people will get a chance to take this further and to, to spend more time. I, I think it's really important. We don't just, we don't just to go, get to go through this once and then just put it aside. I mean, this is a lifelong journey, isn't it, um, as leaders um, to grow and to have uh, people that you can, you can talk to and people who can point some things out for you, um, for you to at least investigate. So 
just appreciate both of you. I know that we need to end our time together. Um, but there was one thing I was going to ask you, Rob, to, to talk a little bit about, because I, I've heard you talk about this before, and I, I just want to leave leaders with, with uh, here's this other little tangible piece. Um, and that was where you talk about, and I may not have the right words, but it was the kind of the self-editing or you talk about that concept. And so I wanted to leave something tangible for folks. So would you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll, we'll close things up. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> Betty, it's been interesting in this this book just came out that Daniel and I have a, there's a chapter in there in a, in a case study in there with um, regarding, and the book's called the age of agility. And, um, and what's fascinating that I think Daniel and I have really gotten deep into theoretically and scientifically, but also in terms of the practice is that concept of, of the capacity to learn, whether it's developmental readiness, whether it's agility, whether it's what's called developmental efficacy, that belief I could learn and change. And, one of the things that I, I got to say pretty frankly is that if there is a, a kind of a qualification for like, and it's, it's exactly what you described, it relates to curiosity, is, is this word that I made up because I looked it around. I'm like, I don't think this is a word, but editability. It's hard to say. And I, I described that as a willingness to, to hit the backspace key on things that are a part of you that may even be as deep as feeling like they're a part of your character. Um, and that one of the, the primary things that is uh, incredibly important to us is people coming with that willingness to edit. Um, and I think it, it runs in it has to, it runs in a paradoxical tension with that the, the idea that I need to be myself, which I think it, there's truth in that. But at the same time, myself happens in community. And so that willingness to edit is also where concepts of forgiveness and grace and all these things that are deeper come into play. But from a lead, just a pure leadership perspective, it's one of the fundamental characteristics because we always say, you know, why would a leader be working with us who isn't willing to edit? Because if they got it all figured out, then go do what you do. But that's where that's where it begins for us. And um, and so I hope that that clarifies that. But it is a it's a radical thing, that willingness to consider even what I might need to sacrifice. That leader being a leader takes both tremendous courage and, and self-assuredness. But also, if you hold that intention with that willingness to edit, what a powerful formula that can be. And, and, and I think also, I wrote a book called, you know, Dying to Lead, Sacrificial Leadership in a Self-Centered World. And I think the concept of sacrifice wasn't me saying sacrifice everything all the time, but it was sacrifice, sacrificial leadership being this, this willingness to consider the costs and pay them if necessary. You know what I mean? It's kind of that tension, I think, that we feel. So uh, thank you for asking. Thank you. That's rich. I think it's timely again with the culture that we live in. I think that's pretty key. So, Hey, thanks so much for your time. I'm going to turn things back over to our producer, Christine. She's pretty awesome. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys in April. So. Yeah. Thanks Betty. Thank you, Rob and Daniel. That was um, very interesting to listen in on. So to our listeners, if that piqued your curiosity at all, we will have more at our Heartbeat Conference. And like Betty mentioned, Academy will be hosting the Wild Leadership Program once again in May. Registration is open, so contact Heartbeat if you'd like to sign up. We'd love to have you join us. And you know, again, as always, subscribe, share this podcast with others that you feel would benefit. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at support at heartbeatinternational.org. I want to thank you all for listening and hope you have a very blessed rest of your day.